Hello there, and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show to encourage and empower creative CEOs just like yourself through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator, but you can just call me Brayden, your gay best friend, here to help you unfuck that biz. If you're ready to dive in, grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and buckle in to learn how you can implement solid strategies to build a profitable business. Well, hello, friend, and welcome back to the podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden. And today I have for you a very fun episode. I have titled What You Need Before and Beyond Six Figures. So we probably could have just called this episode a mishmash of hot takes because I'm kind of just going to be ranting and raving. But I did try to make a through line here. So essentially, the theme of the episode is... We see a lot of hype about stuff that we like really, really have to do from the get go. And a lot of it is just in fact hype, but there are things that people aren't really talking about that we should be focused on. And then um, maybe those things that are hype are really things that we need, you know, after we hit six figures or maybe we never need them. So that's the, that's what we're going to be talking about here. I also want to mention, I say before and beyond six figures, that's pretty arbitrary, right? So for a lot of this stuff, it's like you might not you might need it at 50k or you might not need it until 150k. Maybe you never aspire to be a six-figure business owner. That's totally fine too, okay? I'm not here to tell you that you have to make a certain amount of money. Although, I should say, I should mention um last year, I think it was last year, I came out with an episode titled um why $200,000 is the new six figures. I feel like this year I could redo that episode and talk about inflation, but really it had to do with the fact that most of us if we're putting 25% of our expenses to taxes and 25% to business expenses, that's 50%. So if our gross revenue is 200k, our take home pay is 100k, and if you have debt that you need to pay off, if you want to buy a home, that's just the amount of money that I think a lot of us probably need in order to make that happen, particularly in more expensive modern cities. All right. Again, though, your finances are personal. I have friends who make a lot less and are very comfortable doing so and live very lean, happy lifestyles. So there's lots and lots of ways you can do this. Okay. With that kind of rant out of the way, let's get into it. So here are some things that I think that I think you probably don't need starting out um, as a business owner that maybe are too often hyped up. And I've also crowdsourced this. So I asked um, some of my students on, we had an Unfuck Your Biz group call this morning. And at the end of the call, I said, help me out here. What would you add to this bulleted list? So Connie, who is our student success specialist, she um, is on my team as an employee, but she also does VA and OBM work for lots of other business owners. And what she mentioned that she thinks is overhyped for new business owners are CRMs, so client relationship management programs. And I had to hear her out because to be honest with you all, I've always preached that people need a CRM like right out of the gate in their business. If you don't know what this is, these are things like HoneyBook, Dubsado. They're like contract invoicing and client management kind of programs. And Connie shared with me, I think she had a really good point. She said, um, the way my business works is I work with clients on an ongoing basis. So Connie's been working with me now, I think for like two and a half years. And I think for a lot of her clients, same thing. So she's like, I only onboard a new client maybe once a year, twice a year. 
So she said, it's overkill for me, even where I am now, to pay for a program to help me do that. And I was like, you know what? You make a good point. And if think of you're in the kind of business, especially where you're working with people on an ongoing basis, you probably don't need that. But even if you're only bringing on a new client every, let's say like once a month, maybe even once a week, it doesn't take that much more effort to just send invoices through your bank account. Connie mentioned she sent through hers through Novo to send a contract through a PDF. Now, as a client, I don't love getting PDF contracts just because it's slightly more of an inconvenience for me to have to sign them. Luckily, it's like easy for me to do that on my computer now. It used to be a lot more of a pain in the ass, but not really that big of a deal, right? And I've always told people you should have a CRM as well because it makes you look more professional. And I still agree with that. However, um, there are lots of things that you can do to make yourself look professional. So for example, this tax season, we sent people PDFs because we didn't have our CRM fully set up, mostly just due to the, like, the time involved in doing that. And my concern more is always more, I'll spend hours and hours and hours like making a beautiful system, and then we'll change the way we want to run our system next month and all that work like went to waste. So now I'm more about like having manual systems. So rather than having automated emails go out, we write email templates. Um, and then I will manually send the emails, but I don't have to rewrite them every time. And once we've done a particular service, like after, you know, our 20th LLC that we've done and we've used the same system, I'm like, okay, we can automate this now. Right. So for me, it's more of a time waste for other business owners. It might be more of a cost waste in which case paying for that CRM might not be worth your money until like during tax season, I was having to send contracts and invoices it's, it seemed like every day and rather than have to go through like six steps and take 15 minutes to do it, I would rather it all be automated through our CRM because those 15 minutes like really, really add up when you have a lot of clients. So that's one. Um, another one of our students, so Jean said complicated funnels. And I was like, yes, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, this is more more for my online like course and membership like online education friends it's really popular for people to get really sucked into this whole like funnel magic situation right they think like oh i'm gonna create a freebie in, and that's gonna lead to a low ticket offer and then i'm gonna have a tripwire and then people are gonna go into this funnel to like buy this bigger thing right and they're gonna funnel all the people down and make all this money on the back end that kind of stuff only works at scale Meaning like we're going to look at the percentages and our goal is maybe 2% of people are going to convert into the highest ticket thing on the back end. And if you have a hundred people going through your funnel every week, okay, great. That's two sales. So that would be, you know, like eight sales a month. Um, I have tried really hard to build really great funnels and we have pretty decent traffic now. And even still, um, you know, we'll get maybe like two conversions a month through like our big funnel. And we're having, uh, I don't know, probably like a couple hundred people like go into it every month. When you only have like two people joining your email list every month, the conversions are so low. The funnel just doesn't make sense. All right. Your time is much better spent connecting with your audience, like creating offers that people are specifically requesting. Essentially, funnels aren't going to work until you have really, really clear messaging. You know what people want to buy. That's been validated with actual sales. I could go on and on and on and on. Uh, another one, my bullet point was what should you definitely not do at the start? And when I say start here, I'm also talking about like, until you're making like 
probably five figures a month, like 10 figures a month. Most of these things you don't need. And this bullet point is hiring an integrator. So integrators, I feel like I haven't heard as much about integrators in the past year or so, but a few years ago, it was really popular. People were talking about integrators, online business managers. If you are an online business manager, please don't take this personally. I think it's a very important job. There are clients out there for you. But um, I read someone had posted, I think, on threads the other day. They said, keep in mind that if you hire an integrator and you have no one else on your team, all they're going to be do doing is just making a task list for you to do. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't want that. An integrator's job is they're basically a project manager. They're the person that comes up with the systems and they figure out all the tasks that need to be done. And then they make sure those tasks are done, right? So if I say, okay, we need to do all of our client work, plus the current thing I like to do list is to get all of our um, our CRM and everything set up for this upcoming tax season, because it's going to take a little bit while, a little while, if we had an integrator, they would essentially be checking that all the client work is being done on time, they would check in with our bookkeeper and our tax repair to make sure that that work's getting done. They would check in with whoever is responsible for sending out the contracts and invoices. And then when it comes to the project management, they would chunk that all, all out into mini tasks and assign them to everyone and then follow up on all of that, right? I currently do that in my business. I'm getting to the point where it would maybe be helpful for me to have someone. But what I've done, this might be helpful to you, is essentially Emily, our marketing manager, um, is the integrator for the marketing side of the business. So we have... You know, anytime we have a marketing task, her job is to make sure that those things are getting done, right? So she has to tell me, hey, Brayden, I need this podcast episode. I need this podcast episode recorded this week so that we can get it edited and published in time. And then she might reach out to our copywriter, Juliet, to say, hey, Juliet, our launch is happening next month. Can you write these emails? Follow up on those. And then we're kind of working on uh, right now a couple different people to wear the integrator hat on the uh, operations or execution side of the business when it comes to our student or client stuff. But it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I've been able to build my team to do that. In the meantime, you probably just need someone to help you with like actual, like doing the actual tasks. Um, another bullet point was, this is actually kind of the inverse. So one person said, well, one of the first hires I would make is a social media person. And I said, yes, but... If you're only making $2,000 a month, you probably shouldn't be hiring a social media manager that wants to charge you $1,000 a month. So this is kind of like role, a role title situation. Uh, you might need social media help. You're going to hire someone to help you. What's the part that you're having trouble with? Is it the graphics? Okay, great. Hire someone who can help you create Canva graphics. Buy templates and then have them customize the templates. But a social media manager, strategist, you probably don't need that now, or maybe you do. This is the problem, right? Everyone it's, it's nuanced. This kind of stuff is nuanced. So what I would say, my hot take is you might need it. And I feel like not everyone's going to like this. What I'm going to have to say, you might need it, but you might not have earned it yet. And what I mean by that is I think that we all have to really do the groundwork to figure out what's going to work. We have to come up with our own brand voice. We have to build our own following. And until we've done that, I don't think we can really, I should say justify, not earned. I don't think we can justify that expense until we've done those things on our own. Now, on the flip side, if you happen to be really good at ads, 
and you run your ads and that's gotten you, you know, 5k in business every month. And you're like, now I want to do the organic side of my business, but I'm busy doing client delivery and running my ads because I'm good at that. Now I'll hire a social media person to help with the organic marketing side of the business. Great. Do that. Or on the flip side, if you're really good at social media, but you don't want to learn ads and the social media is working, okay, we'll use that revenue to then hire someone to help you with your ads. But when you're brand new, and this is the problem I see all the time, when people are new in business or they're just not making that much money, they think that that one like magic strategist is what's going to get them there. Not really, because they're going to ask you a lot of questions for which you're not going to have the answers. Who's your target market? Um, I think most of us can like BS an answer to that, but you're really just guessing. Like if, if you haven't actually sold enough stuff, you're just saying who you want your target market to be or who you think your target market is. And also what are your messaging notes, right? Like I have enough podcast content, blog content, book content out now that people can go read it and say, oh, this is Braden's brand voice. This is how he talks. These are the words he uses and they can kind of run with that, right? Okay. Um, I've kind of intentionally only been talking about non- tax and legal things up until this point, because I'm going to do a bit of a pivot in a second. But first of all, let's talk about some of the things that you actually do need starting out. So a good cash flow system, you need a system to figure out how you're going to save for taxes and how to pay yourself. You need um, probably a client onboarding system, not necessarily through a CRM, but you should have them sign a contract, pay an invoice. Um, maybe you have a welcome email template that you're going to say send everyone. What I do is it's not super fancy because we haven't set that CRM up yet. But we have um, in Asana, we have a project or like a board for every kind of service. So if someone hires us for an LLC, we say step number one, send like welcome onboarding email. And it's, you click on that and it's the email template. I copy and paste it. I email it. Step number two, we have them fill out this Google form. Step number three, we file the LLC and we send a confirmation email. I have an email template for that as well. And so on and so forth. We have this kind of for each service. So you can do that starting out. It's really good to have a system and you can build on it and, and improve it. So just before I started recording today, um, one of my friends who's also a client emailed me and say, Hey, we got this letter about our trademark. Is this legit? It looks like spam. And I said, yes, it's a scam. Don't reply to it. And then I made a note uh, on my planner to go update our email template for our trademark confirmation so that we can, I'm actually, I get these, I've gotten these letters myself. So I'm going to, um, take a picture of it and upload it. And in our confirmation email, I'll let people to know, hey, you're going to get one of these scam letters. Everyone gets them. You can disregard it. Um, so that way, that way the client knows it's coming. So they don't have that quick moment of panic that we all have when we open really scary mail. Like it's you freak out, you calm yourself, you read it, then you think, oh, this is probably a scam, but I should Google it or contact Braden. We're just going to cut that out and we'll put it in our email template as part of our process. So everyone wins. You also, you probably need a task list scheduler starting out. Um, and those are some of the like non-legal and tax things. So let's talk about what you need from a legal and tax perspective starting out. So I teach the concept called the layers of protection. How many layers of legal protection do you need in your business? And those layers vary based on how long you've been in business. But I always tell people the absolute, absolute, absolute essentials 
for most people are a contract and most of the time insurance. So this is why we have the contract club. I'm very, very passionate about it. $30, all the contracts you need all in one place. Just pay the $30 cover and you're in for life. It's not a membership, not a recurring payment. It's a one-time payment. All right. Not avglaw.com forward slash club. You can join the contract club. That's one of your essential layers of protection. You also probably need insurance. Go get an insurance agent for that. Talk to your friends. Ask them where they got their insurance. You get those two things. You're pretty good from a legal perspective. Okay. Now, your next layer is your LLC. And we, I recommend that for brand new business owners as well. It's just in some states like California, they're a little bit more expensive. So if you're invested, and by invested, I mean like your thought process is this business is happening, it's working, I don't care what I have to do, it's like it's going to happen. Then go ahead and get your LLC from the start. If you're just kind of dabbling and you haven't validated yet, then maybe you want to hold off on the LLC portion, Okay. So that's where we are with the legal stuff, okay? When it comes to tax and bookkeeping, um, you need a basic, basic, basic bookkeeping system starting out, which, I mean, the most basic you could do is pen and paper, just like noting down every time you spend something on your business, which, you know, if you're like a bullet journaler and you love that kind of stuff, you could probably do that. I've never encouraged anyone to, but like maybe that could be good for you. For most people, a spreadsheet is going to be going to be the best system. QuickBooks might be a little overkill starting out. So I would say overhyped things from a legal and tax perspective would be forming an S-corp right out of the gate. You probably don't need it unless you expect to make a lot of money in year one. You probably don't need QuickBooks. You do not need a bookkeeper starting out. Again, unless you're planning on coming in hot with a lot of business out of the gate, you probably don't need that. And then I would say having... A tax accountant is like a maybe, right? A lot of people don't want to do their own taxes. If you want to hire someone to do your taxes, like fine, do that. But don't, here's the thing. You don't need to go hire a really expensive tax strategist as a new business owner, unless you're a high net worth person and you have money coming from somewhere else. But most of the time, this is where I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't think about this. They might think like, oh, I spend 5K for a really fabulous tax person. They're going to save me tons of money. No, they they can't really. Because I can only like, I can only really save you a lot of money on taxes if you're making a lot of money in which we need to implement contact, complex tax strategies. So let me, let me make this really, really concrete. When I was... Before I got married, when I was in law school, I don't think I even had a job, but let's say I had a job where I was making $15 an hour, working a few hours a week, I'd get a W-2 for $10,000, okay? I would end up paying no taxes because my standard deduction would be 12000 which means my taxable income would be reduced to zero. And then on top of that, I would get an education credit. So I actually get a refund from the federal government. What tax strategy is an expensive tax strategist going to provide to me? So let's say on top of that, I go and start this like super part-time business where I also make $10,000. Well, now after my business deductions, I might end up owing $500, $1,000, probably not even because of that tax credit. But again, like no tax strategy really involved there. You don't need to spend a lot of money on a very serious tax strategist until you're making like multiple six figures most of the time. So the point there is 
I don't discourage you from hiring a tax repairer starting out if you don't want to do your own tax return because it is a little bit scary, but there's probably not anything super fancy that you need to be doing there. Okay, what else do we have? Trademarks, we talked a lot about on last week's episode. So I did talk about that. Um, I used to, my my thought process used to be that you really didn't need to trademark until you were more established in business. I kind of have backtracked on that one more because now I think, especially if you've come up with a really unique brand, you should stake ownership on that sooner rather than later. But if nothing else, you should try to secure intellectual property protections as soon as you become like really known for any kind of a brand name. So that's where I am now with that one. Cash flow, we talked about that as well. Um, it's really important starting out of the gate that you have a cash flow system to at a minimum pay your taxes and pay yourself. Once you start to make more, now we need like an S corp kind of tax system. So we talked a lot about we talked a lot about the beginner stuff. So what do you need? What do you don't need starting out? But what about once you're approaching six figures and beyond? Well, I really think. My hot take here is by the time you're making a few thousand dollars a month, you probably need a contractor. You probably need a VA of some kind. So we talked about this a little bit, but you are starting to, at this point, get bogged down by small tasks. So when I was at this point in my business, I remember like just to produce these podcast episodes my thought process was like, I had a checklist. I was like, okay, outline episode, record episode, download recording, upload recording, edit recording, and then transcribe it or write the show notes and then create a social media graphic. It's Emily's probably laughing as she listens to me say all of this because she's like, yeah, bitch. And now I have to do all of that. Right. Well, Emily does it for me now. So I have it off my task list, but before it's like I would do that for five episodes at a time. That would take me several hours, but I also had client work that I needed to do and I needed to do these Instagram posts and I needed to send these emails and just a lot of stuff. Um, and I would say to you might think, okay, well, having other people help me with that stuff is a luxury. And I would agree with you on some fronts. However... At the end of the day, like you can either like at any given time, you can either be working on client projects or you can be marketing. You can't really do both at the same time, right? So if you're really, really bogged down on client projects, you maybe need to hire someone who can help you with a little bit of that. If you're really bogged down on marketing, you need to hire someone who can help you with that. But at the end of the day, you can streamline uh, these various aspects of your businesses by hiring people who can help you so that you can do more with less. Because the person you're hiring also might be a lot more efficient at that thing. They're going to free you up as well. So another another aspect that we don't often think about is just having the space and the time to think about the things that we need to think about. We need it's mental clarity, right? So having a really big to-do list, I think just creates mental clutter. And when you eliminate some of that stuff off your to-do list, I now have time to sit in Starbucks once a week and journal for an hour. And I can't tell you like how many really, really great business decisions I made because I have time to actually sit and journal and think about my business or go for a three-hour lunch with my friend Kira. Shout out, shout out Kira. 
we do that like once a month. We'll meet on a Friday for like late breakfast. We end up hanging out for three, four hours. We brainstorm problems and solutions for each other's businesses. It's fantastic. I do that with my business mastermind. And that's really, really valuable. Uh, I think that's the other problem is we will think about that. A lot of us will think about that as time wasted. We think, oh, shit, well, I'm having to pay someone to do work for me right now so that I can be at this lunch. But we don't think about the fact that, you know, a $10,000 idea can come out of that lunch or a $3,000 cost savings can come out of the out of that lunch. This This kind of stuff we don't think about, and it's really important. So you need to free yourself up for that as you start to grow so that you can make these kind of power moves in your business. You also need to start to think about an S corporation or um, a higher level business entity strategy that can save you taxes. We talked about the IP stuff. You need to commit to a more serious cash flow system now. Um, if you're starting to grow out of that pen and paper bookkeeping situation, you really need to get a better spreadsheet. If you have, you know, kind of a shitty spreadsheet that's done, you know, that's done what you needed to do up until this point, you need a better spreadsheet, or maybe you need to move over to QuickBooks so that you can automate some of the process so it doesn't take so long. Or maybe you're even beyond that and need to hire a bookkeeper. That I think happens when a lot of people get into the multi six figures. Now you probably just need a bookkeeper. At this point, it also might be time to hire that tax strategist. So maybe you're not at the point where you need like the $5,000 package, but maybe you need the tax strategist who can give you the basics, right? A couple thousand dollars a year to get your tax return done. So this is what we should be thinking about once we move forward. Once you get, um, again, hard to put a dollar value on this, but I really think once most people get to the $150,000, $200,000 range, again, depending on your business model, right? Um, you probably at this point need to start hiring employees because whether you like it or not, a lot of the stuff people want to hire independent contractors for are tasks that independent contractors should not be doing legally. They should be employees. Okay. I've done episodes on this on the past as well. If you're unsure what the rules are, check out our contractor classification cheat sheet. It's on our everything page on the website. We have a blog post on this as well. We'll link that in the show notes about whether you should be working with contractors or employees. So that's really important. Um, and also it's important, I think, to build a team around employees, not just because you might legally have to, but because employees are typically going to be more invested in your business. You have stronger IP rights over anything that they create for you. You can um, ask for things on a tighter timeline, but you know, don't be a dickhead. It's still good to be a good boss. Um, hopefully, if any of my team members are listening to this, they can attest to this. I will ask for things last minute, but I don't typically expect people to be able to do things last minute. So the request is usually like, hey, I got this idea. I would like it executed by the end of the day or by tomorrow. Are you free to do this? And if they say like, no, I'm not at home right now, that's fine. It's it's just, it's not going to happen, right? I didn't give you enough time. Um, but in other circumstances, if I shifted the way our business ran and I said, hey, especially like it's peak season right now, it's tax season. I need everyone to be like on their phone or at their desk between these hours, these days, so that we can be prompt to any client communication. That is a totally reasonable expectation, especially for the people who are working in those particular roles. You obviously can't do that with contractors, or at least you shouldn't be. 
not legal. Okay. I think I, um, oh, there, there was a couple, okay. There was a couple other things, um, that I missed. So super complicated, expensive contract. I had that bulleted as a something that you don't need right out of the gate in your business. I'm going to be honest though. I wrote that bullet point mostly just to plug the contract club, because again, I wrote most of these contract templates, helping people who have pretty successful businesses. And then we templatize those and put them in the club, in the club. So a lot of us think that we are really unique in the way that we deliver our services. And that's probably true. You probably run it a great way, but it's probably not that different from most of the other people in your industry, in which case a template is probably great. So start there. Once you're making a little bit more, um, you can join our legal subscription and pay us $200 a month and we'll look at contracts anytime you want us to. That's a great option. But again, overkill most likely when you are starting out. Um, all right. What else do you need once you're past 100K? An attorney on demand. So that ties into that legal subscription thing. And I think that's, I think that's pretty much all we need to cover here. The last note I want to give is when I throw out these revenue numbers, I also want you to keep in mind um, that there's another really large variable that we don't talk about. And that's like how busy you are. And frankly, to just really uh, be blunt about it, how much money you have and how much, uh, what your time is valued at. And what I mean by that is someone who's fresh out of college and has no money, but has a lot of time, like you should be DIYing a lot in your business, right? Someone who has been working in corporate for 20 years and they have $50,000 saved to launch their own business and they're still working full-time before they get their business launched, you have more money and you have less time. So when I talk about things that advanced business owners should do, um, if you have the time resources to hire people, you can kind of put yourself in that category in respects to some things, right? So hire out certain tasks. I would still kind of stick to the like, unless you come from a marketing background, like you probably shouldn't be hiring out all this marketing tasks um, because you don't know your messaging, your audience, all that kind of stuff. If that comes more intuitive to you, again, there are exceptions to everything. None of these are blanket statements. That's all I have for this episode. I hope you got the wheels turning. I would love for you, if you're on threads, like let's get on threads. I haven't tried that yet. If you're on threads, tag me and let me know which of these hot takes you agreed with and which ones you did not agree with. I would love to hear that. Share on Instagram. We'll start a thread about this or a post about this in the Facebook group, Braden's Besties. Come and join us. Be one of our besties. You can search us on Facebook and join. Um, I think this was a fun episode. I've had fun ranting about it. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, if you did, share on social media. Let the people know where they can come and get these hot takes. And make sure to tune in next week. Because like always, we will have another episode in your podcast feed next week. Uh, but for now, have a good one. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.